Folks, everyone knows the next medical crisis is just around the corner. Whether it comes in the form of a pandemic or something much more mundane like a tick bite, you and your family need to be prepared. That's what we learned from this last pandemic, right? That's where the wellness company comes in. You know the wellness company. We have their great doctors like Dr. Peter McCullough on all the time on our shows. The wellness company and their doctors are medical professionals that you can trust. And the new medical emergency kits are the gold standard when it comes to keeping you safe and healthy, and most importantly, prepared. Be ready for anything. This medical emergency kit contains an assortment of life-saving medications, including ivermectin and z The medical emergency kit provides a guidebook to aid in the safe use of all of these life-saving medications. So you know what you're doing. From anthrax to tick bites to COVID and even the bioweapon like the plague, the wellness company's medical emergency kit is exactly what you need to have on hand to be prepared. Rest assured knowing that you have emergency antibiotics, antivirals, and antiparasitics on hand to keep you and your family safe from whatever the globalists throw your way. Go to www.twchealth/justnews today in order. That's twc.health/justnews and use the promo code justnews to save 10%. Good evening, America, and welcome to Just the News, the show that brings you real news without any of that chaotic noise. I'm John Solomon, joining you from Washington, D.C. And I'm your co-host, Amanda Head, coming to you from Los Angeles, California. John, we are only in the middle of the week. It's hump day, and it has been hectic to say the least. We kicked off the week with Joe Biden announcing new regulations regarding ghost guns, as well as nominating a new ATF director after his first pick was rejected by the Senate a year and a half ago. And yesterday, the state of our economy showed dwindling hope with the consumer price index rising by 8.5% in March from just one year ago, which has not been seen since the winter of 1981. We also studied the crisis at our southern border with familiar experts. John, it is now Wednesday, a few days before our glorious holiday weekend, and you certainly have been breaking more news regarding Hunter Biden. But first, I want to pivot to a story that you that hit on justthenews.com this morning. Your colleague Nick Ballacy wrote an article headlining headlined in shadow of Hunter Biden probe Democrats grapple with corruption scandals galore in own ranks. And John, I know that you have been studying this and reporting on this for years. So why don't you give us a little bit of a background on this? Yeah, absolutely. Listen, we're all talking about the Hunter Biden story. And later in this show, we're going to break some new news on that, some new revelations about Hunter Biden and how he got his foreign business deals. But all around this country, from New York to Nevada, from Tennessee to Kentucky, uh, there have been uh, Democrats repeatedly charged in corruption cases The numbers are growing by the day. We're almost up to a dozen corruption cases, a big one yesterday in New York that forced the new lieutenant governor there to resign. Uh, And the uh, irony of all this is that this occurs 15 years after Nancy Pelosi swept herself into power during the 2006 election by arguing that Republicans had a uh, culture of corruption problem. That was right after the Jack Abramoff lobbying scandal. Now the tables are turned. Democrats are the ones with a culture of corruption problem, and Republicans are soaring to the top of polls on this. And our first guest tonight, well, he knows something about this. He's running 
for governor of New York, and he has been on top of all of the Cuomo et al. Uh, uh, corruption that's been going on in New York. Joining us right now is Congressman Lee Zeldin. Congressman, great to have you on the show today. It's great to be with both of you. An amazing moment yesterday. I mean, New York was struck with two big things, a tragedy at the subway, and then it's Lieutenant Governor, brand new Lieutenant Governor, Brian Benjamin, forced to resign amidst the bribery uh, investigation. He was charged and arrested. Your thoughts on what happened yesterday? Yeah, it feels like it was about three weeks ago when that point Amanda brought up of the eight and a half percent inflation number came out. Uh, after that news broke, uh, we had the tragedy, uh, which we're still learning more about, still with a suspect on the run. And our thoughts have been, uh, and our prayers have been occupied with uh, thinking about those victims, their families, the first responders there on the scene, the medical professionals and uh, everyone who is uh, you know, just trying to go about it a normal Tuesday morning, commuting to school, commuting to work, uh, and then this happens. Crime and public safety is the top issue here in New York. Uh, there is a huge concern about district attorneys like Alvin Bragg, who refuse to enforce the law. Uh, you have cashless bail implementation, putting people back out on the streets who should be behind bars. Last summer, they signed less is more which was releasing people early from prison who still had time left on their prison sentence. And the irony of all ironies, as far as the timing goes, is that the person who was picked by Kathy Hochul to be her lieutenant, the first big decision she had to make, she chose Brian Benjamin, who wasn't just an advocate of the defund the police movement. He was the champion of it in the state Senate. And he got slapped with an arrest and indictment on charges related to corruption and fraud. And uh, he ended up resigning by the end of the day. So a very busy day. I really hope that you and your listeners are having a better day than Brian Benjamin did yesterday. <laughs> as far as the state of New York goes, uh, we are really concerned about the direction we're heading right now, because while uh, it's not going well, it's not yet rock bottom. Things can actually get worse if we keep those who are there. Oh, my goodness. Well, Congressman, I'm here in California, so obviously another deep blue state. And it almost seems like in states like ours, corruption is the norm. It's not the exception. Uh, with you running for governor, if you win that seat and you are having to work with people in New York who like California, a lot of uh, diametrically opposed politically folks, how do you parse that out? How do you navigate Albany and, and, the, and your state, leading your state with people who have such opposing ideas to how things should be done? On top of winning the race for governor, it's also important to be electing more people to the state Senate, the state assembly, to break the supermajority that exists right now in the state capitol. We have outsized power of self-described socialists. That supermajority will get broken this November. I'm confident of it. As far as people to work with, uh, you try to find common ground when it's possible on issues where you can be able to work together with somebody. Might You might disagree on other topics, but if you can work together on, on something that'll move the state forward, I'm all for it. It seems like uh, Mayor Eric Adams uh, wants to make further changes, for example, to the uh, cashless bail law in the state. We might disagree on COVID restrictions, but if he wants to make some calls to Democrats in the state Senate and state assembly and help uh, get them to vote for a, a further overhaul of cashless bail, well, you know, you have to work on that because there's a time for politics, a time for government. After an election, the people of a state, the people of a country 
uh, have decided what, what government they want. And if there's common ground to be found, you have to chase after it. Uh, I believe that uh, New York, in many respects, is hitting a breaking point. People are fleeing every single day. They feel like their wallet, their safety, their freedom, their kids' education are under attack. Uh, and it's a rescue mission to save our state. And in order to actually get that done, uh, I'm not under any illusions that I'm going to be taking office in January with a Republican legislature. I think it's going to be a great night on November 8th. And I think that we're going to flip the House and, and maybe the Senate and have a balance of power in Washington. We're going to flip in state capitals as well. Uh, but we're going to have to work with people who we might not agree with on certain issues in order to be able to get really important things done, and, and one of which is certainly to keep our streets safer. Yeah, no doubt. People are looking for that common sense, that bipartisanship has been lacking for so long, and I know they see that in your message right now. Uh, as you step back, the polls obviously put the Republicans in a great spot right now, eight months out, but that's a long time. Uh, Mitch McConnell said yesterday, hey, we still could screw this up. I you know how to really give a rah-rah speech here, but what is it that Republicans need to do to bring this plan in for a successful ending? What's the messaging and the discipline that you guys need for the next seven months to close the deal? Stay on message, because right now there are independents, there are Democrats who don't feel safe outside of their homes or in their subways, as we see in New York. There are Democrats who believe that the quality of their son and daughter's education uh, is very much at stake. And they are connecting with the Republican message, with the conservative message on education more so than in the past. We've seen it with COVID restrictions, whether it's masking toddlers, which is still taking place inside of New York City schools for kids under the age of five. Um, I think of that kid on the autism spectrum who's going through early intervention, learning how to speak, and they can't see the teacher's face and the teacher can't see their face. When you're talking to their parent, they might be a loyal liberal Democrat voter, but these issues, they transcend party loyalty. So what's really important for the next almost seven months left between now and November 8th election is for Republican candidates across the country to stay on message, focused on the issues that matter most to voters, and to make that strong connection because there's an opportunity here to expand that tent, to expand that base, uh, and to be able to take the gavels out of the hands of Pelosi and Adam Schiff and Jerry Nadler and Maxine Waters. But you can't just think we're jumping on a surfboard to ride in a wave. You have to work hard and take nothing for granted. Absolutely. And, and to the point you were making about COVID, I was with a gaggle of progressives in Beverly Hills last night and spoke to a gal who's vaccinated and twice boosted. And she said, no more, no more. This is not going to be a subscription service. I'm done. <laughs> but I want to bring this full circle back to the corruption thing, um, because I think Democrats and Republicans alike are just so incredibly sick of it. When you're walking the halls of Congress, you're talking to your colleagues next year, if they take back the House and the Senate, is corruption something that they want to tackle specifically with Hunter Biden? Absolutely. And I say they because I'm assuming you'll be in Albany. Yeah, I hear that all the time. <laughs> uh, there is a focus. I mean, I was just talking about taking the gavel out of Jerry Nadler's hands. Imagine uh, it's January of 2023 and that gavel is being handed over to Jim Jordan. And you're having hearings and oversight to be able to have that level of accountability that is needed to ensure that people uh, who have serious conflicts of interest, uh, individuals who sold access for profit, 
that they are being held to account. And uh, the I would believe I believe that Americans demand that they don't want to see unequal scales of justice outside the Department of Justice etched in the stone. There it says when law ends, tyranny begins. Uh, and it's a role of Congress to be providing oversight for anyone who reads the U.S. Constitution. You see a very long Article One giving powers to Congress and a very short Article Two giving powers to the president. And it often feels like uh, in many respects, the Article One powers are relinquished to the administration. Uh, and I believe taking back over that oversight role and, and certain powers that were given to Congress uh, by our founding fathers in that document, uh, it's something to take to heart and not to waste any time getting to work, hitting the ground running day one as soon as the House flips come January of 23. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Well, I watched you during the Russian collusion case bring a great deal of accountability. And I know Albany's about to get a whole dose of that when you're elected in January. Congressman, great to have you on the show today. Thank you both. Take care. All right. Yeah, thank you. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We're going to be right back after this commercial break. All right, folks, as we draw near to another critical election, it's not only about casting your vote, it's about elevating your voice, making your voice be heard. AMAC is more than just a senior discount organization. They unite like-minded patriots like you and I, committed to preserving our cherished values and actively opposing the leftist agenda that's sweeping across America. Just look at their recent victories. AMAC members helped to push forward an investigation into practices that inflate drug prices. They successfully defeated ranked choice voting in order to protect traditional voting methods, and they also helped block a federal takeover of elections. As AMAC's membership grows, Washington is listening. Every new member strengthens this movement. If you love America, visit AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News to become a four-year member for just $30. That's a great discount. AMAC is not only better for America, it's better for you. Membership gives you access to the AMAC magazine, free Social Security and Medicare guidance, money-saving discounts, trusted news, sweepstakes, and so much more. It's a community, not a service. Take advantage of our election year sale, four years for just $30 at AMAC. By joining over 2 million Americans, they can't ignore your voice in Washington anymore. Join now at AMAC, AMAC.US slash Just News. That's AMAC.US forward slash Just News. Hey folks, if you're a homeowner and you're like me, you want to protect your home, right? But when's the last time you checked on the title to your home? If you never have, listen to this. A new report on homeowners shows we all now have $16 trillion in equity. That's an all-time high in America. That's why you need protection from a scam the FBI calls house stealing. That's when the equity in all of our homes is the target, sadly, of scammers. If nobody's watching the title to your home, these scammers can transfer your title to their name, take out loans, and your equity could be gone. Poof, gone. You have to protect your equity from this despicable crime right now with triple lock protection from my good friends at HomeTitleLock.com. The first step is to check on your home's title to see if it's still in your name. Sign up with your address at HomeTitleLock.com and be sure to use the promo code JUSTNEWS. They're going to send you a complete title scan of your home's title and your first 30 days of triple lock home title protection. That's legendary protection, by the way. It's free. HomeTitleLock.com. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS. One more time. Go to HomeTitleLock.com today and protect your most important asset, the equity in your home. Welcome back, everybody. 
Tonight, we've got some amazing guests, including former White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows. And we're going to unravel much more news as it relates to communist China, the Olympics, and our international diplomacy. We want to bring you some exclusive breaking news right at the top of our hour. Yes, John, you you just might have heard recently that Wyoming Representative Liz Cheney and her little January 6th buddy, Adam Kinzinger of Illinois, have been officially censured by the Republican National Committee. RNC Chairwoman Ronna McDaniel even issued a statement saying they chose to join Nancy Pelosi in a Democrat-led persecution of ordinary citizens who engaged in legitimate political discourse that had nothing to do with violence at the Capitol. John, this seems like an unprecedented move, nonetheless supported by former President Donald Trump. It also seems as if Liz Cheney has more than January 6th and being censured to worry about, doesn't she? Yeah, that's right, Amanda. Some of the reporting we've been doing at Just the News with my great colleague Aaron Kliegman reveals that Liz Cheney has a bit of a Hunter Biden problem. Now, let me explain. Congresswoman uh, Cheney has been one of the key voices in Congress speaking out against communist China and other autocratic nations. She even was chosen by the GOP to help deliver the Republicans' security threats report on China back in 2020, a report in which she declared China posed a major risk of supplanting the U.S. as a world superpower. At the very moment she was standing at the podium, her husband, Philip Perry's law firm, was representing a Chinese company called Tencent that the Pentagon says is one of the key firms helping Beijing to facilitate industry-wide coordination with the Chinese government on artificial intelligence. As everybody knows, artificial intelligence is one of the new battlegrounds in military. Now, her husband's firm, Latham & Watkins, also represented other foreign countries whose records on human rights and autocratic policies have concerned the United States over the years. That includes Kazakhstan and Belarus, two former Soviet republics that have been in the news recently. Now, it should be noted, Hunter Biden, while his father was VP, at a firm doing business in both China and Kazakhstan as well. We've been seeking comment from Philip Perry, Liz Cheney, and Latham Watkins, and we'll bring that to you as soon as we get it. It should be noted that Latham Watkins' work was perfectly legal, and Perry didn't even directly work on the accounts. But as a firm partner, he benefits from all of its work and their profits. And most poignantly, his firm's presence working for these countries, for many, will seem to conflict with his wife's frequent calls for America to stand up to totalitarian regimes like China. We're going to have all the details on justthenews.com later tonight. But first, we get to ask our esteemed guests about it right here on the show. Unbelievable, John. It sounds like Liz Cheney and her family are not only cashing in off the backs of the hardworking American people, but she's severely compromised to remain as a sitting United States representative. You know what they say. The apple certainly doesn't fall far from the tree. Oops, did I say that? <laughs> and with that, here to react first to this news is none other than our good friend, former White House Chief of Staff and Representative from North Carolina, Mark Meadows. Mark, I imagine you have some thoughts about what John just revealed. Well, I mean, obviously, when you look at, at one uh, particular bit of rhetoric coming out of Capitol Hill and then another uh, financial contribution going to a bank account, uh, it, it, it is typically what the American people hate about Washington, D.C. And uh, Liz Cheney uh, will have a lot of explaining to do to the Wyoming voters, not just for uh, the role that you mentioned, Amanda, in terms of uh, the January 6th committee, but certainly as she condemns China, if, if uh, you know, her family 
family is is benefiting from those financial resources. Listen, I'm all in favor of making sure that there is no really advocacy for China uh, in Washington, D.C. They're already a superpower. Uh, they are, are not our friend, and, uh, and we need to hold them accountable. But it's the kind of uh, say one thing, do another uh, kind of talk that Americans hate uh, in Washington, D.C. And there's no doubt about it. And it has a lot of the same mirrors of, of what we saw in the Biden uh, family scandal. Uh, you were in the Congress. You saw China's lobby working day in and day out. We had Peter Schweitzer on the show yesterday. He talked about how uh, China uses elites, reaches out to the husbands, wives, children of powerful people, gets them to be influencers to make the case in China. Did you see that as you were walking the halls of Congress? How did it look like as a member of Congress? Well, I, I did. I mean, I, I can tell you there were a number of times where uh, I took probably a more aggressive approach at standing up against China and some of their influences. Uh, I know there were a couple of times where Senator Ted Cruz and I were working on legislation that we got major pushback and we got it from places that we wouldn't expect. Uh, and and so uh, the lobbying world is certainly uh, not uh, immune to, to uh, carrying the water for a lot of the Chinese government, and uh, and they've when when you look at our economy, everybody has uh, a pro-China stance when it comes to Wall Street and other places. Uh, but I can tell you, it does not bode well long term for America, and that's why uh, in the halls of Congress we have to we have to push back about that. Whether it's Liz Cheney or anybody else, we need to push back against this Chinese influence. And and we saw it not just in the halls of Congress, but you see it in every administration where a lot of the Chinese. Chinese outreach goes to people of influence and specifically, as you mentioned, John, uh, to spouses or family members of, of people that are well connected, whether it's Hunter Biden or in this uh, breaking news, if uh, if indeed the, the story is is uh, as bombshell as it appears to be, uh, where you have a sitting member of Congress uh, benefiting financially. Yeah, and I, I think it's fine to have business dealings abroad. Practically every major corporation in America has some type of footprint abroad. But this, to me, goes beyond this. Uh, this this goes further to aiding and abetting a foreign adversary, especially when you consider that this uh, this deals with their military's AI development. Well, you're exactly right. So it's the AI development. It's anything to do with the Defense Department. We have uh, the the Barry Amendment. We have a number of different anti-China uh, laws on the books that uh, actually address things that are not nearly as sensitive as artificial intelligence and how it may or may not uh, be uh, helping uh, the, the Chinese military apparatus. And so when you look at that, uh, we, you know, there, there was a, the supersonic kind of uh, uh, revelation that happened here in the last few months. If that does not send alarm bells uh, across the halls of Congress and the Pentagon, then I don't know what will. And so uh, we need to be serious about this. We can't be caught sleeping. And, uh, and certainly uh, Liz Cheney should be condemning this, not just with political rhetoric, but with, with actions that are, are louder than that. That's it. Action and words often divide in Washington. Uh, I want to get your reaction to something that happened over the weekend. The Republican National Committee uh, voted to formally censure Adam Kingsinger and Liz Cheney. Uh, today, there's some static coming out of the Senate, right from uh, the Senate Minority Leader himself, Mitch McConnell. 
your thoughts on just what has happened inside the Republican Party. It looks like a little bit of nascent warfare between two wings of the party. What do you think? Well, listen, it's not a surprise to you or Amanda, you know, when you look at Washington, D.C., there's a whole lot of people that wish that Donald Trump was never president. Uh, they wished that on in 2016. They wished it and uh, made their voices clear in 2020, and they continue to do that. Uh, this particular action by the RNC was appropriate. It's certainly uh, when you look at, at the actions, and I'm not just talking about having a difference of opinions. I've had a number of different opinions with, with party members uh, of, of my own party uh, when I served in Congress. I'm not suggesting that this is all about thought control, but what this is, is really when you look at the partisan nature of what has transpired, the weaponizing of, uh, of a committee that, that candidly is not about making our capital more secure or actually getting to the facts because they've, they, uh, the speaker has appointed these individuals and yet the speaker is off limits and, uh, and the speaker was a, a critical component of what happened or at least should answer questions uh, as it relates to that. So uh, the RNC taking a bold move, I, I'm not surprised that you would get the pushback. They're trying to throw everything in one bucket, John, but here's what we do know is uh, they could have taken a lot more severe action. A censure is certainly uh, something that should have happened. But the ultimate vo voice, uh, and I think uh, uh, Chairwoman Elise Stefanik said this, the ultimate will be the people of Wyoming and what they say, uh, because uh, it'll be the people of Wyoming that will pass the final verdict on what Liz Cheney should or should not be doing. I'm so glad you brought up the people of Wyoming. The big breaking news story last week was that Liz Cheney was out raising her primary opponent by bukus of money. But the buried lead there is that she's raising money from Democrats. What do you foresee for that primary leading into midterms? Well, that doesn't surprise me at all, Amanda. You know, what, what we have in Wyoming is they have an, an open process where actually Democrats will will uh, be able to vote in the Republican uh, uh, race or for a re Republican uh, in the primary. Uh, and, and so I, I wouldn't be surprised to see unaffiliated voters and Democrats come across. Uh, obviously, the money is flowing in, uh, but but the people of Wyoming will not be fooled. I, I, I can tell you, they don't they don't want to be told by me. They don't want to be told by people from California or anybody else how to vote. But the other is they recognize the real deal. And the fact of the matter is, is there's been rumors for a long time that Liz Cheney, Cheney spends more time in Washington, D.C. than she does in Jackson or, or Cody or anywhere else in Wyoming. And, uh, and, and that will, will ultimately be the, her downfall. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, Mark. I can't thank you enough for the time today. We always enjoy talking with you. We always learn a lot, and uh, we hope to get you back on soon. Great to be back with you both. Take care. God bless. You as well. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back. Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't, you'll pay up. Plus interest and penalties. 
You need Tax Network USA, and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS, they know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited time IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews. You know what, folks? Stress may be why you can't lose weight. If you've got moderate to high stress like I do, a doctor-formulated weight loss supplement called Lean could be your solution. Chronic stress wreaks havoc on blood sugar, which can cause your body to store excess fat. Stress can also slow your metabolism, which fuels weight gain. And you know all about stress eating and sugar cravings, right? Now the good news. The studied ingredients in Lean have been shown to help maintain healthy blood sugar levels, help optimize metabolism, and keep your appetite under control. Now, if your life is a bit stressful like mine and you want to lose weight, add lean to your healthy diet and exercise lifestyle. Now, get 15% off and free shipping at takelean.com. That's takelean.com and enter the promo code justnews15. That's the promo code justnews15 at takelean.com. One more time, takelean.com. Statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease, and it's not a substitute or alternative for care from a health care provider. Welcome back, everybody. Two million refugees have now left Ukraine, creating the largest crisis since World War II. In addition, we have several efforts at a ceasefire that has not have not succeeded. We continue to have significant violence. And while all that's going on, the U.S. has its hands out to Russia saying, hey, could you help us get a new Iran deal or restore the old Iran deal might be more accurate. If you're confused by that dynamic, we have somebody here to make sense of it. The former Israeli ambassador to the United States, Michael Oren, is joining us. Mr. Ambassador, great to have you on the show today. Good with me with you, Amanda, John. Hello. Thank you. Uh, We want to ask you uh, right off the bat, there's been a lot of talk about the impending Iran deal, what's in it, uh, something we haven't seen very often in American history. Many members of the negotiating team on the U.S. side have quit at least three in the last few days to protest the concessions that the Biden administration is making. Tell us what's going on and what makes this deal so controversial. It's very interesting because the people who have resigned are not political appointees. They're, they're professionals in the State Department who are, how should I say, not exactly renowned for being you know, overly pro-Israel, uh, not renowned for being anti-JCPOA, the 2015 Iran deal. So if they're resigning because America is making too many concessions, uh, that's reason for concern. Certainly, it's reason for deep concern here. Um, the Iran deal of 2015 uh, was presented as a deal that would block Iran's path to the bomb. Now, that was a lie. It actually paved Iran's path to the bomb and assured that Iran, after a uh, little more than a decade, uh, would be in a position to enrich enough uranium, not for one bomb, but for 100 bombs. And that agreement did nothing to stop Iran from developing uh, intercontinental ballistic missiles that could carry a warhead. It did nothing to stop them from actually building a warhead. And we know from the documents that our Mossad agents 
uh, smuggled out of uh, Tehran in 2018, that the Iranians never ceased working uh, on a warhead, which meant that you know, within a decade, Iran was going to be a nuclear power. But that was only the beginning of the problems in 2015. The, in the meantime, uh, sanctions would be lifted. Uh, Iran would receive not tens, but hundreds of billions of dollars in international transactions and John and Amanda, they weren't going to use that money to build schools and hospitals. They were going to use it to build missiles. Uh, right now, there's between 130 and 150,000 rockets in the hands of Hezbollah in Lebanon, rockets in the hands of Shiite militias in Iraq, in Houthi rebels who are pro-Iranian in Yemen, and of course, Hamas in Gaza, which is backed by Iran. The goal would be to create a situation that when Iran broke out and created a nuclear weapon and Israel tried to stop it, we would be hit by tens of thousands of rockets and we'd be deterred. That's the whole Iranian strategy. 2015 laid the groundwork perfectly for that. Now, President Trump pulled out of that agreement in 2018. Israel applauded it. He put on very heavy sanctions. And those sanctions uh, were having an effect. The Iranians weren't violating the agreement. They didn't start violating the agreement until it was sure that the next administration had won the, 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 uh, the presidential election. And then they started violating it um, on steroids because they knew that the next administration wanted to renew the deal and the Iranians wanted to up uh, the ante, wanted to up their, their ability to, to up their leverage to get a better deal. And by all indications, they are going to get a better deal uh, for Iran, uh, so bad that these uh, professionals in the State Department have quit. And better deal for Iran means a strategic and potentially existential danger with this country, and I'm going to say something radical and unequivocal, and that is that this deal, if it is what we think it is, what we fear it's going to be, will lead inexorably to a regional war. Wow. Ambassador, there are so many things that this Biden, that this administration has done that, that have appeared weak on the world stage. Obviously, our disastrous exit from Afghanistan, but Russian negotiator Mikhail Ulyanov even said about the concessions made by the United States with respect to Iran, Russia, and China, he couldn't believe the concessions that they were able to get. That's, forget Afghanistan. I mean, don't forget Afghanistan, but but this is mortifying on an entirely different level. It, it, it is. Listen, we're dealing with a regime, it's important that your viewers understand this, that never misses an opportunity, uh, weekly if not daily, pledges to destroy my country to kill 10 million of my countrymen and to kill my entire family. Uh, that's no joke. That would be no joke for any country. It's certainly no joke for the Jewish state uh, with our history of genocide, uh, surviving genocide. So it, we have to take it very seriously. And these are people not just talking about it. They're trying to kill us. And they're trying to kill not only Jews in this country, they're trying to kill uh, Jews around the world, including apparently, uh, purportedly, uh, some of the, the sanctions have been lifted uh, on Iranian officials who are responsible for terrorist attacks around the world. Uh, against uh, against Jewish populations or not Israeli, uh, against Americans um, and certainly American service people serving in in, in Iraq, um, responsible and Rabak in Lebanon, the person responsible for the for the 1982 bombing of the Marine uh, barracks in in Lebanon. Um, so obviously, I think I think that Mr. Putin actually took note of the fact of the way not just the way that America withdrew from Afghanistan, took note of the fact of the way the United States was uh, cravingly seeking to. Uh, renew this Iran nuclear deal, willing to make any concession, willing to remove sanctions and willing to remove a military option from the table. And this was a big deal, uh, John and Amanda, because uh, during the Obama years, and that's when I was ambassador, uh, the Obama administration used to say all the time, all the options are on the table, including the military option. The Biden administration has said all options 
are considered, will be considered, but they have never once said there have been a military option. You, you think you can say that and people aren't going to notice, they're going to notice. And, you know, there was no military option for, for Ukraine either. Um, so I think that, uh, that Putin took note of this uh, and uh, it contributed perhaps to his decisions vis-a-vis uh, -vis the Ukraine. We are now in an absurd situation where the Russians have said that they will not agree to the Iranian nuclear deal unless the United States pledges in advance to exempt the, Iran the Ukrainian sanctions from uh, the deal and allow Russia to do business with Iran once the deal was signed. Do you understand that? It's kind of complicated. Um, <laughs> tell me if you don't, but it, it, I, I think know. what, what, what Putin understands is the degree to which the administration will pay for this deal at, at almost any price and pay with it in Ukrainian currency. Uh, that's what's extraordinary to us. Yeah, and I think it is to most Americans. I don't think a lot of Americans know another part of this, which is you mentioned it briefly, but this whole period while this negotiation has been going on, Iran-backed rebels have repeatedly attacked U.S. troops in Iraq. Uh, they've uh, attacked uh, allies in Yemen and other places. They've not been good actors during the period when they're asking for concessions from us. Why would the United States make concessions to a foreign power that has actually attacked American troops during this time of negotiation? I think you have to like switch your, your dial here because the more they shot, the better deal they got. Okay. Um, and so why stop shooting if you're getting a better deal every with every rocket you shoot at American troops or every rocket you shoot at downtown Tel Aviv as they tried last May? Those were those rockets were made in Tehran. They weren't made in Gaza. And um, so you're getting a better deal. And the reasons for this are are, are actually um, kind of a mystery to us. And I think that's an understatement of mystery. We, we scratch our heads very, very deeply. Uh, it appears that uh, within the Democratic Party, the, the JCPOA of 2015 has become sort of iconic. It's gotten sort of a holy grail status. And uh, no one really cares what's in it. And uh, um, and because it was the signal uh, foreign policy achievement of the Bob administration. And so this administration came ran in the, in the presidential elections promising to renew this, which is which is extraordinary because this administration also came into uh, into the White House promising to renew a confidence in the United States uh, among America's allies. And the last time I looked, we are American allies, and some of our Sunni Arab neighbors are close American allies, and this agreement will betray us and deeply endanger us. This is also an administration that came in pledging to stand up for human rights around the world. Um, and Iran is one of the chief violators of human rights anywhere in the world. How do you reconcile giving a regime like this hundreds of billions of dollars? It, it's completely... It is absurd in our eyes, and I think that's a mild turn. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Ambassador, I think that a lot of Americans uh, view the pressure being applied on Israel by countries like the United States and European countries as maybe not having a leg to stand on because uh, it, you have two diametrically opposed efforts as far as uh, the Iran nuclear deal and at the same time asking them to take part in this. Uh, we are actively fighting against Israel's interests by renegotiating and possibly re-entering the Iran nuclear deal. But Israel is fulfilling its moral obligation by taking in Ukrainian Jews, uh, which is more than you can say for some other European countries and the United States. Do you think that there is anything beyond the moral obligation for Israel to, to get tactically or kinetically involved? 
well, here I'm, I'm, I'm sort of an odd voice house and I got to put my cards on the table. I don't, I'm not representing the state of Israel. I represent myself and I, I'm on the Israeli media every day, several times a day. And I have since the outset of this conflict, uh, I have said that I, I recognize that Israel has an interest in maintaining open channels of communication with the Russian army is in Syria because our armed forces operate quite frequently in hitting Iranian bases and assets in Syria. Iran is trying to transform Syria into a forward firing base against Israel. And so we have to fly through airspace, airspace that's basically controlled by the Russian Air Force. Uh, if we operate on the ground, we have to go through areas that are you know, under, uh, ostensibly under Russian control. So we have, we have very open communications. And for the last seven years since the Russians entered Syria, we haven't had a clash. We haven't had it. And it's important, I understand that. But our relations with the United States, our relations with the West, are also important. And the fact that we would stand, I think the, the point that we would stand, you know, four square uh, with the West against this invasion, against tyranny and the state and the side of, uh, of a country that's fighting for its freedom, for democracy. By the way, also a, a, a resistance that's being led by a proud and Zionist uh, Jew, President Zaleski. Um, I don't think that, that it's morally or strategically smart uh, for Israel to stand on the side and, and retain neutrality. Now, the Prime Minister, Prime Minister Benner, says that one of the reasons he has maintained neutrality is so that he can act as a mediator. And he has been acting as a mediator, and I think he's been very active in that way. But it's a gamble, because if the mediation fails, we're left being neutral and uh, and not having the moral high ground. And this, I literally just got off the Israeli news saying this. Uh, as we meet yeah. this great threat of the Iranian nuclear deal, we're going to have to have a strong moral standing. Uh, we may not just, most likely not just for... Uh, for rhetorical purposes, but Mr. we may have to act kinetically about this. Yeah, Mr. Ambassador, we want to, we want to take, a quick take a quick commercial break, sir. We're going to come right back with more with our interview with Ambassador Orrin right after this commercial break. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is Gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Amanda Head alongside, alongside my co-host, John Solomon. I want to bring back in our guest, former ambassador to Israel, Michael Oren. Michael, thanks for staying with us. Good to be with you both. I want to pivot just a little bit to the Abraham Accords, uh, some, some significant successes that took place under President Trump. What's the status of those? Oh, they're, they're holding fast. And, and expanding in various ways and financial cooperation, strategic dialogue. Uh, our leaders have been there. Their leaders have been here. Uh, very heartwarming. 
Um, and the, frankly, you know, those agreements came about through many uh, historical processes, uh, the realizing realization on the part of these Arab leaders that they weren't going to let the Palestinians uh, hold the peace process hostage by always saying no. Um, you know, everyone points out that the Palestinians didn't accept the Trump peace plan. Palestinians also spent eight years of the most uh, pro-Palestinian uh, administration in history of Barack Obama and never joined the peace program. Uh, I took place, I took part in the last negotiations with the Palestinians. That was, again, 12 years ago, and, the, and they walked away. Um, so these Arab leaders were saying, OK, enough. We're just not going to put up with this anymore. We need Israel. Israel is uh, is not our enemy. It's our ally. It stands up to both Shiite and Sunni extremism. And at a time of American withdrawal from the Middle East and the world, we need the state of Israel. That hasn't changed. And I think that if this Iran deal is published, and it looks like it will be published, then the, the glue, much of the glue of the, of the Abraham Accords will be strengthened. Um, because we're all going to have to band together to face this greatly enhanced threat uh, from an enriched Iran. Yeah, that's an amazing time. Last night, uh, Mr. Ambassador, I went to the grocery store after work and the family recognized me, stopped me for a second, asked a couple of questions. They turned to their 12-year-old daughter, 13-year-old daughter, and she asked me the question I think everybody really wants to know. Are we on the verge of World War III, which was going on in Europe? Give us your assessment of the Russia-Ukraine war thus far and what it really means for the continent at large. Well, here's the bad news. I, I'm a, a combat veteran. I've participated in, in more than one war. Uh, and in, in two wars I participated, the wars were determined by one artillery shell. Uh, one Israeli artillery shell uh, fell on a building and killed a great number of, uh, of civilians. And that, ch that changed the entire trajectory of the war. Uh, right now, there are thousands of Ukrainians in the metro stations underground in Kiev, um, many tens of thousands fleeing the country. Um, all you need is one errant uh, Russian missile to hit that metro or to hit a line of refugees, and world opinion is going to change. It's going to put tremendous pressure uh, on Western governments, on the United States government, to become more involved militarily, to maybe infect uh, a no-fly zone. Once you have a no-fly zone, you're going to have a Russian plane shot down, and that's when things begin to spiral. And uh, the possibility of an actual sort of tactical nuclear exchange leading to a, a strategic nuclear exchange uh, is not beyond the realm of the possible. I've been saying this now for a couple of weeks, and now I see a number of of Washington think tanks have been gaming this out and they reach the same conclusion. You're, you're, one, you're one major incident away and it's highly, highly, highly combustible. I can't tell you, and dangerous. Um, I also think that the longer that the Iranian, the, the Ukrainian uh, resistance holds up against the Russian army, again, the greater involvement will be of the United States and other countries to provide ammunition, uh, anti-tank, anti-aircraft uh, missiles. I think Israel, even though it's been neutral, is going to start providing uh, defensive military t uh, equipment, uh, helmets, um, ceramic jets, uh, vests. Um, it, it's going to change. And the time is definitely, definitely a factor here. Um, diplomacy would be advisable. And uh, in that diplomacy, there's going to have to be a way to, for Mr. Putin to find a way down from his high tree, a way down for the West to find a way to, to come out of the negotiations and say you know, that Putin didn't get anything uh, out of his aggression. Uh, not an easy task for diplomacy, but, but I think the risks are so great, uh, John and Amanda, that every effort must be made to try to find uh, face-saving devices uh, for all sides in this conflict. 
Yeah. Yeah. And meanwhile, here stateside, I'm in California. So our gas prices, of course, are through the roof more so than other states. But we're up a dollar per gallon of gasoline than we were just a week ago. So gas prices are soaring. I just I just saw that, according to a source at the Associated Press this morning, that Joe Biden is considering ceasing the purchase of Russian oil. So our gas prices are going to go even higher. Great job. <laughs> it's uh it, it, well, gas in this country costs about four times what it costs in the United States. So we uh, think, oh, boy, the United States is looking better and better all day. But yes, you know, it's going to, the degree to which the United States is going to support uh, Ukraine, Ukrainian um, independence and democracy, uh, it's going to involve a cost. There's no, there's no cost free here. It just isn't. Um, for us as well, our gas prices are going up too. Um, and, you know, we have that strategic question of the degree to which we can continue cooperating with the Russians. In, in, in Syria. Um, I've also made some waves here, I gotta be honest with you, by saying I don't understand why Israel is so, is always broadcasting fear uh, about the Russians in Syria. And I asked John before to take a guess how many Russian soldiers there actually are in Syria. I forget, what, what did you say, John? I said 20,000, I was off. <laughs> off, oh, only 4,000 with a couple yeah. of dozen aircraft. First time uh, ever. Is, the Israeli <laughs> army, I want you to know, is more than twice as large as the British and French armies combined. All right. I don't think we have to be broadcasting too much fear of 4,000 Russian soldiers. I don't. And uh, if they want to take a shot at us, go ahead, because I think it, I think it's going to come out. For, there's an old Spanish saying, it doesn't matter if the rock hits the pitcher or the pitcher hits the rock, it's going to be bad for the pitcher. OK, <laughs> I think this would be bad for the Russian pitcher. Yeah. Mr. Ambassador, we've got about a minute less. I want to ask you to just handicap the Biden administration's approach to diplomacy uh, we always hear peace through strength. Is this a peace through strength posture right now, or are we seeing something different from America? I think it's a piece of a different type of strength. It's economic strength, and we we yet to see the total impact. Uh, I've had some conversations with friends in Moscow, and they are really hurting. They are really hurting. Um, and so the 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 sanctions are are a, a tool. How effective? We don't know. We we don't know whether you know Mr. Putin is rumored to be the the wealthiest human being on earth. How he actually is impacted by this, and whether he cares. Uh, we don't know yet. I, I, what I do know is that isolationism is probably one of the few uh, issues in Washington that still attracts bipartisan support. Uh, American people do not want to get involved in foreign wars anymore. I've, I've become persuaded of that over the course of the years. Uh, and so at your disposal right now is, is the economic terms. I, what I don't understand is how on one hand you can take a, a principled, strong, even economic position on the Ukrainian issue and then turn around and lift sanctions on one of the most repressive regimes on earth for a deal that will at best delay a nuclear program for a couple of years, yeah. a couple of years yeah. delay, Absolutely. and in the process enable Iran to threaten strategically and protect even existentially some of America's closest allies in the world. That's Mr. Ambassador. Um, Thank you so much for joining us. I hate to cut you off. We're up against a hard break, but everybody stick around. We've got more on these conversations with some great guests coming up after the break. We'll be right back. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. 
Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome back, everybody. House Republicans unveiled a plan to defund the disinformation board through legislative appropriation measures. And tomorrow, states' attorney generals from several states are going to court to get a permanent injunction against the president to keep him from lifting the Title 42 health law at the border and creating an avalanche of more illegal aliens coming on to this country. And another place where we got to keep our eye on is the Biden administration's dealing with the World Health Assembly that would effectively subject the U.S. to the decisions of the World Health Organization. Somebody who knows something about this and has been working on it very carefully former presidential candidate, Congresswoman, and now the Dean of the Robertson School of Government at Regent University, Congressman Michelle Bachman. Congresswoman, great to have you on the show today. John and Amanda, it's great to be with you. Thanks again. We are fascinated because a lot of people were not paying attention to what Joe Biden did earlier this year. Describe what's going on with the United States and subjecting ourselves potentially to the World Health Organization's uh, a rule on, on pandemics and other things. Well, you're right. First of all, I want your audience to know it isn't that the audience wasn't paying attention. It's the Biden administration wasn't being forthcoming about their plans. And here's their plan. Here's the bottom line. The Biden administration is proposing amendments that they're going to take May 22nd through 28th. So this is just right around the corner. They're planning to take amendments to Geneva, Switzerland, to the World Health Assembly, which is the governing body over the World Health Organization that would effectively cede United States sovereign authority over our health care decisions to the World Health Organization director general. That office is now con uh, occupied by a man named Tedros. So I want people to think and understand what this is. As bad as Fauci and Rachel Walensky were, were with their authoritarian decisions at the CDC and the NIH, now their authority would be given to the World Health Organization. You're looking at the man Tedros, who made almost every possible wrong call that he could make during the pandemic. So what this effectively does is create a platform for global governance through the World Health Organization. Because as we saw with the CDC and with the NIH, they were making decisions regarding that would impact businesses that would impact whether or not we have to stay home or whether we can go to work or what businesses have to be shut down or what businesses could be open or if people wear dirty masks on their face for a year and a half or if little children have to wear masks or if schools are closed or if we're forced to take vac vaccines whether we want to or not. This level of authoritarian decision-making that we've lived with for almost three years would now be given over to the director of the WHO. So we would lose as Americans effectively representative democracy in America 
over one of the biggest issues there is, health care, that would be ceded to the Director General, the WHO, Tedros. That's why this is so important. These amendments were given to the World Health Assembly on January 18th, but they weren't shared with the American people. These amendments didn't go up on any government website, John and Amanda, until April 12th, one month ago. They weren't touted, people didn't know about it, but they went up for the first time April 12th. Tomorrow is the day when people can make public comment before the Health and Human Services Secretary between 10 a.m. and noon. That's the window they've offered. So I've requested to be able to speak before this committee. I submitted written objections to these amendments. Not only should the Biden administration withdraw these amendments to give away U.S. sovereignty to the WHO, we should get the United States out of the World Health Assembly, out of the WHO, and leave the U.N., Unreal. I mean, this sounds like it has very far reaching repercussions and uh, how nice of it them does. to allot two hours for uh, <laughs> uh, dissent to to come forward for the American people who who now know about this. Thanks to wonderful people like you. Should, should they call their representatives, their congressmen, their senators? How can they voice their opinion yes. about this as well? Yes, there's a couple things people can do, and I will send, I'll send some links that you can put up on your website for people to look at. One is people can contact their U.S. senators and their member of the House of Representatives, and I assure you, most of them aren't even familiar with them, and tell them that you demand that they talk to the Biden administration and get them to withdraw these amendments that would cede U.S. sovereignty over health care to the WHO, but then also tell them we want to get out of the World Health Assembly. We want to get out of the WHO. We don't want to be in these organizations that purport to tell American citizens what we have to do under the pretext and guise of health care. But then the other thing people can do is they can go to a link that I will give you and people can comment and they can say to the Health and Human Services Secretary, we don't want these amendments. We want to hold on to our health care. Again, they thought no one would know about this. They thought there'd be exactly zero comments coming into the Health and Human Services Secretary. I'm urging your entire audience to send an avalanche of no way, no how, we don't want these Biden amendments over our health care, to send this comment to the Health and Human Services Secretary so that they know the American people aren't on this. Bottom line, we have to have we have to shame the Biden administration into not giving away America's authority over health care to the WHO and not creating a platform for global governance through the WHO. And it's just amazing that this could be done basically in the dark at night. That's what it feels like. Yeah. Uh, over the last decade, we've seen this under the Obama Biden years, particularly uh, America committing to relationships with foreigners, subjecting us to uh, terms and deals with the foreign countries or foreign bodies without going through the treaty process, without bringing Congress into the loop. Is there an avenue for members of Congress to sue? Could someone sue and try to use the Constitution to block these amendments? I think that there is. I have contacted attorneys, attorneys that are now issuing press releases that are taking this seriously, whether it's a cease and desist, a TRO, whatever it is that they could do to bring about legal action. But I think most importantly, U.S. senators 
have the most authority here. They right. could put holds on legislation. I'm actually calling for a shutdown. Republicans should say, should really Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy should have a joint press conference and say, we aren't going to meet in any committee. We're not even going to vote until the Biden administration withdraws these amendments. The American people haven't had time to look at them or examine them. There hasn't been sufficient transparency. We cannot cede U.S. sovereignty over health care to the U.N. We can't do this. We have to stop it. We have to pull out all the stops. And that's why the Republicans who are in Congress shouldn't even give a quorum to Nancy Pelosi or to Chuck Schumer. That means they shouldn't even show up for committee or to vote on the floor. They need to get real attention on this matter because the vote, John and Amanda, is May 22nd to 28th in Geneva, Switzerland. That's when the vote will take place and these amendments would go into force in November. So what does that mean? It won't matter who is elected in November, if it's Republican or Democrat. If we've already ceded authority over America's healthcare decisions to the WHO, we're in big trouble because we saw the power grab that the CDC took over our lives and that Fauci took over our lives with the NIH. We saw that level of authoritarianism for the last three years. If this goes to the WHO and we have no right of appeal, well, God help us. I I wish we had longer with you. We've only got about 60 seconds left. I wanted to get a quick reaction from you. As you said, the Biden administration, I don't think they expected to have any pushback on this. The draft opinion from Justice Alito, it feels like there's an awakening happening in America. And there are a lot of indications that things aren't going well. But it feels like there is a uh, divine groundswell that's happening and moving us in a newer and better direction. Your quick thoughts on that. I absolutely agree. I I think what people realize is that we're coming to the end of our natural rope. And so now we need help from an almighty God. That's how this nation began, by men and women appealing to heaven, appealing to God to help us in our fight for freedom. We're there again as we're looking at a twilight scenario. So people need to appeal to almighty God. and, And that's exactly what we should do. God can do anything. That he can, and I know there are a lot of people praying, even for baby formula. We're, we're really short today. Congresswoman, it, it is uh, wonderful to have you on. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, John. Thanks, Amanda. Man, such an important issue, Amanda. All right, folks, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with you. Hey there, it's Amanda Head, and I am thrilled to introduce to you my new exciting podcast, Furthermore, with Amanda Head, broadcasting weekly from sunny Los Angeles, California, and brought to you by the dynamic Just the News Podcast Network. On this fresh and engaging podcast, I delve into the latest news with a little bit of a twist, exploring the furthermore of every story. But this isn't your typical run-of-the-mill news commentary or politically charged program. I interview a diverse range of guests, including business leaders, entertainers, musicians, educators, experts, politicians, and many influential figures from both the United States and around the world. So why not make your Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays a little more interesting? Tune in on your preferred podcast platform and discover furthermore with Amanda Head on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And don't forget to hit that follow or subscribe button and be sure to download the latest episodes. I can't wait to have you join me on this exciting journey. 
At Just the News, we break the stories others in the media ignore or are too afraid to tell. We did it on Russia collusion, Hunter Biden, and the security and intelligence failures that preceded January 6th. Our stories have real impact and reach because we stick to the facts. I'm John Solomon. You can help me expand our honest, unvarnished, and unbiased reporting by becoming a premium member at Just the News. You'll get an ad-free experience and exclusive member-only access to events, and you'll be helping us dig up more truth. Join today at justthenews.com slash subscribe.